0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'll be your host for today. And today's episode is episode number 141. And today is the day after Christmas, and... I would like to take this opportunity to wish everybody that listens a fabulous, happy, and sober new year in 2020. Now, today we have an interview. Her name is Kathleen Pooler. Kathleen left her husband, Ed, due to his heavy drinking, when her children, Leanne and Brian, were three years old and 18 months thinking that she was protecting her children from the ravages of alcohol abuse. However, when addiction claimed her youngest child, Brian, she realized that the cycle of alcohol abuse was being repeated within her family. Kathleen hopes her story will inspire others to never give up hope when faced with an addicted child, something we can all agree on. No matter how far down into the abyss you may go, there's always a chance for recovery. And this is what we talk about over and over again on the podcast. She wrote a book called Just the Way He Walked A Mother's Story of Hope and Healing. And she hopes that this might offer readers insight into the impact of addiction on families and how they can learn from her story. So, without further ado, let's talk to Kathleen. So, Kathleen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You know one thing I didn't ask you is do you prefer Kathleen or do you prefer Kathy? I think Kathy's fine. That's what most people call me. Thank you. Good. Then then Kathy it will be. Okay. Um your story is not unlike maybe a couple stories that we've told on the podcast but you bring a mother's perspective to this whole area of addiction. And tell me how how did how did it start for you? I know that your son had a difficulty, but I think you also were married to a man that had a difficulty as well. Yes. The father of my children,
0: um, who is Ed in my first book, um, was an alcoholic. And I was very naive when I married him. And I figured, you know, he was a lot of fun. He was the life of the party. And it wasn't until a well, it didn't take too much time to figure out that he had a major drinking problem. Right. And that indeed he was an alcoholic. I finally discovered I was willing to hang in there with him as long as he was willing to get help. But of course he couldn't, he just couldn't. He, he actually was a good person with a very bad problem. And so after six years and two children, I walked out on him, and Brian was eighteen months, and leanne was twenty three no eighteen months, and she leanne was three and a half, okay, so they were just babies, but it was a desperate situation, and um I thought that I was just leaving addiction behind. How silly of me, right? <laughs> because uh as my son hit puberty and I was a single parent um it became evident, and, and and Brian looked just like his dad. That's why mm. the just, just like he walked is when I looked at Brian, I looked at his dad, and it scared me to death. And so I had a very hyper vigilant approach to things because I had lived through it with my husband, and the thought of it striking my son was just. Um, it was just too difficult to even comprehend. It, it, right. It was too painful, but it did. And he was uh, the first time I saw him drunk. He was fourteen.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. And um, do you know the circumstances? Like, how did he find the liquor? Was he with friends? Did he do it at home? He just picked the wrong crowd to be
0: with. And okay, we had we had just moved. I um from Missouri back home again that we had a lot of moves and I had a lot of guilt carried with me, but, um, yeah, he, he gravitated for some reason. I think I really honestly believed after a while that his sense of abandonment by his dad, he, he felt abandoned by his dad, I think. And, um, I think that really seemed to drive his addiction.
1: I can see how that would be. We spoke to a young man um, just a couple of weeks ago that had a similar thing. And his father was a drug addict and had actually attempted suicide. And there was so much anger in the young man I interviewed because he didn't understand why his dad would do that. Now, the young man I interviewed went on to become an addict himself, but mm-hmm. you can sort of see that there could be a trigger there.
0: That father-son bond is so crucial.
1: And I knew that, and I
0: wanted to help him preserve it. But, um, you know, it was a very difficult situation that I couldn't fill in those pieces for him. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Did his dad ever get clean and sober?
0: Well, um, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, When he discovered that he was ill and he actually died of cirrhosis.
1: Oh. The year
0: my book was published in 2014, but he never admitted he was an alcoholic. So he probably had stopped drinking for a year before that, but it was way too late. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: I think a lot of times people don't understand the... Long-term effects of drugs. Oh, you no, know? I know, I mean, alcohol especially ha- is so devastating to the body. It, it's anyway. Okay, so back to your son. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> All right.
0: Um. So it just got worse and worse and worse, and I was kind. Of, I was in denial. I kept thinking, well you know, this is just a phase, we just moved, and he's anxious about new friends, and, you know, I made all kinds of excuses, and I didn't, despite the fact of being a master's prepared nurse, it's hard to believe, when it hits home, you, you aren't rational, and I, yep. I was so engulfed in it that I, I couldn't be rational, and I just had this magical thinking that he was going to get better. But he was just such an incredibly delightful child. And 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 um his young adulthood was just stolen from him yep. by by this. And I remember one night when he came in and he had been drinking and I looked at him and I thought, where is my son? Where is that sweet, sensitive, loving little guy that that always cared about other people so much and he's like a monster now right and luckily i was getting counseling and the counselor said when you are looking at him you are not looking at him you were looking at addiction right in the face that's right i said and when i thought about it that way i thought That's even more devastating. (laughs) Some some monster has come and taken over my son. Now, what do I do about it? Because, of course, I felt responsible. You know, what did I do wrong, despite the fact of having another child who's perfectly normal? So I still somehow blame myself for his addiction. And I think that's a common thing that parents do.
1: I think it's very common and you know it's interesting that you you voice it because we've talked about it many times on the podcast and you know one of the things we've said is okay you feel guilty but that doesn't matter what you have to do is get help for your loved one right. like you can put the guilt aside and address it later mm-hmm. but you know you have to handle the problem that is presenting itself to you at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And I think so often that the guilt can, can keep people from doing something about it, which is another message we say over and over again, you know, forget about the guilt, just do something about it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I guess what I didn't realize is the long-term nature of this, because I did eventually step in and make sure he got counseling and he got into rehab. Um, but i i naively thought that well he was fixed by going to rehab once well <laughs> that didn't take long to figure out that you know relapse i learned is part of the disease it's part of the recovery too because they learn something from each relapse if they survive it
1: yeah if they survive that's the, the that's the clincher yeah so- so, so, how old was he when you when he went to rehab the first time? Uh sixteen. Okay. And how long did that last? The rehab only was like uh, three weeks. I mean, I mean, the period of being sober. Oh, I
0: I think he drank right away. Oh, okay. But, see, I didn't. I never saw him in the act of drinking. I just saw. Okay evidence of it I could tell by his behavior he'd been drinking I didn't know who his friends were I mean I, heard, I was new in town I was in um I was director of nursing of a hospital so I was in a high profile position in a small community and it was just there were so many layers of of
1: of stress yeah that it was hard for me to see clearly I, I can see that. Yeah. Was it a 12-step program that he did, Kathy? Yes. Okay.
0: Pretty much all of his, I mean, he ended up in, I think, about eight or ten rehabs, inpatient okay. rehabs. Okay. And at one point later on, he says, Mom, I know you probably don't understand this, but I actually learned something from each rehab that helped me. I said, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> So where is, where is he now? He is in Astoria, New York, queen. And is, is he clean and sober? Yes. It's almost been seven years. Wow. Which is just such a miracle. And he, um, he really took it seriously. I, I think that he just reached a point of deciding that he wanted to live. And he wanted a life. And he knew that if he drank, that would not happen. Yep, Because he couldn't hold a job. He didn't, you know, he was homeless. He was on the streets. He was institutionalized. He was jailed. all, All of the above. And I think he finally got sick and tired of it. And he was the only one who could do anything about it. That's correct. And so he did not it wasn't a rehab that made him get sober. No, it was his realization that he was going to die young if he didn't do something. Yeah. And so that's what it took. And, you know, I held my breath. I thought, well, I hope this, I always, I wonder, is this, is this (laughs) that, you know, and, and I can't say that I still hold my breath, but you know, I don't take it for granted for one minute. Because I think addiction just is there all the time. And, you know, it's up to the person to counteract all those forces of addiction.
1: You are listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story to tell, go to our Facebook page by the same name or email us at at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. For more information on our sponsor, Narconon Ojai, visit their website at narcononohai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I.org, or call 866 231 that's 866-231-5924. That's 866 231 5924. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years' experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast and get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. Once again, 833-918-0008 or newmaninterventions.com. this service comes with a free 1-hour consultation with bobby absolutely and i think that to a very large degree he he knows what it feels like to be in recovery and be sober and he knows what he has to deal with mm-hmm. to stay clean and sober mm-hmm. but you don't and so there's a lot of doubt because my guess is, and excuse me for putting this, saying this happened, Because mm-hmm. if it didn't just clarify, but my guess is that when you see somebody go through rehab eight times, every time there's hope that this will be the one that works. And then not not only the disappointment that it didn't work, but also the the not understanding why it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that lack of understanding is even even heavier with those around the former addict than it is for the addict themselves. Is that, am I making sense? That's perfectly said. Thank you. It was,
0: yeah. um, Understanding the disease that is so crucial learning about it and understanding it as a disease and knowing that you have nothing, nothing to do with it. Right. (laughs) In fact, the best you could do is step out of the way and I never ever gave up stopped loving him or gave up hope ever. Right. Cause that As you something to keep me going. Yeah. But, you know, I just knew that he was the one that had to be to, to yep. decide and that, that would, it would only work if he, in fact, empowered himself to do that. And, and I think because he has, he, he sees what feels like he's maintained a job for three or for at least four years, a good paying job with benefits. He has a social life. He has his own apartment, which that did not happen until a couple of years ago. And he was so excited when he got his first apartment because he was always in rooming houses or homeless shelters. And it was just a real milestone. And, you know, there's too much at stake now to give that up.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> so he's...
0: Created- Can you say
1: what he does? I'm just curious what kind of work he does.
0: Well, he works for a commercial plumbing
1: company. Okay. He,
0: he he was working in the field just as part of his training, <clears throat> but
1: he's in the office. Okay. Yeah, so... Okay. It's working... Well, I think that's that's very commendable where he's at now. And as you mentioned... Um, you know, the rite of passage that we all have when we, you know, get to the point where we can move out of the house, he missed that because he was dealing with the alcohol. And so it's nice that he's now achieving all of those rites of passage that most of us do. Well, he's making up for lost time. He has a lot exactly. of time, but he's he's making up for lost time. Exactly. So just out of curiosity, is, does he have a good relationship? Is he with. Does he have a significant other? You know, I don't ask too many questions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I,
0: I know that that he was dating several people, and that he's so finicky too. It's, it's oh <laughs> interesting, and um, so I think he's in a relationship now, but I don't know if it's a long-term one. But as as she sounds nice, I mean, I dared to ask a little bit. I don't I don't like to pry too much, mostly because I just don't want to hear anything.
1: <laughs> I know I. I'm the same way. I have a I have a son in Los Angeles and <laughs> you know, I know he's dating somebody but I don't I don't pry. Uh, and
0: I think sons are I don't know, they're kind of evasive anyway,
1: <laughs> well, especially with moms as they get older. <laughs> you know.
0: I, I know. Yeah. So we've shared some really good good moments
1: and it's that's awesome. Good. Yeah. So tell our listeners about your book that's coming out. Just the Way He Walked, A Mother's Story of, of
0: Hope and Healing. Um, I started writing vignettes just to get me through uh, because I always was a journaler, and that seemed to help me process and sort my feelings. And I decided I was going to share one vignette with Brian about the first time he was drunk. And he was in New York at the time. I don't know if he was sober or not, but he received the letter and he opened the letter on the subway and he said, mom, he said, I started, I could just seem, I could feel myself tear up. So I had to wait till I got to my apartment to read what you wrote. And so I got to my apartment and I bawled my eyes out. He says, I never ever dreamed that I had such an impact on you. And it was a very, uh, no pun intended, sobering experience for him. Um, And I think the realization that if my writing could touch him like that, I'm going to keep writing. And I'm going to involve him in the writing of this book. I even offered him to write alternate chapters if he wanted to, and he chose not to. But he was very, very... um, Involved um, in the minutest little details. So I just kept writing and writing and I put it aside and it took a lot of years. I'm sure. And it took a lot of years for him to accept having his story, it's rather an intimate story, out into the world. And I said, Well, Brian, in order to show the miracle of your sobriety, we have to show the ugliness of the disease. And That's right. This is my story. If you want to write your side, you have my invitation to do so. Right. I gave him free rein, you know. So oh, it wasn't really until a couple within the last six months that he fully was able to endorse it. Okay. You know, because he had to process. He'd get stuck and he'd say, Oh, mom, I don't know if I can do this. I said, Okay, well, let's give it some time, which is where the time factor comes in. Right. And I was willing to wait as long as I had to wait because I was not going to put a story out there that he couldn't live with. Yep. Because first I'm a mother, then I'm a writer.
1: Yep. I understand.
0: Yeah. So it was a very, very tender, sensitive area.
1: And you know, Really, I don't know if he'll listen to this episode and you can definitely share it with him when it goes up, but I mean, kudos to him. Yeah. Whenever I have someone on the podcast that tells their own personal story of addiction, I always say kudos because you have to recall a time in your life that you're not really proud of. And that's not easy for a lot of people. I don't, I think there are a lot of people that. For all the people that, I, that tell their stories on the podcast, I think there's probably 10 times who don't even want to go there. Oh, so the cool. fact that, yeah, the fact that he was willing to let you tell it and kind of work with you on it in his own way, I, I, give, I give him kudos. Oh, you can tell I, kudos.
0: Yes. I, I told him, I said, this story is about how you overcame the ugliest possible situation and Mm -hmm. it's a credit to you (laughs) and so you are not that person today right you know and that was the alcohol speaking right and by the way he was mostly just alcohol okay Uh, well you know not that I really know firsthand but he told me that he did not do other drugs You know, the alcohol was his drug of choice. And, you know, it's just, it's dangerous.
1: Alcohol is bad enough. You can be, as we know, dead.
0: Yeah, for any number of of reasons. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think when he realized it's A, my story, and B, it could help other people. And um, the more he addressed it and faced it, the less power it had over him. Right. Which is part of this memoir writing. It can be very transformational and healing.
1: I know you're a big proponent of that. I read some of that on the internet. Yes. Yeah. Well, because
0: I've experienced it and because you're, you're, I mean, I I face things, but I put it aside because it was too painful or I'd cry my way through it and say, okay, (laughs) I'm going to revisit that. And I would put it away for six months at a time because I just needed a break from it. I didn't want to relive all those memories, but we got there. (laughs) And I I really am excited to share this story because I had nothing when I was going through it. I mean, I didn't feel like I had any resources to tap into. Right. And now there's a plethora of addiction memoirs out there, but you know, I think every story is unique. And my story is unique because in the midst of his worst drinking, I developed um cancer. Oh wow. Yeah. Non-Hodgkin's mm-hmm. lymphoma, like the highest stage you can get. And I was very sick for a very long time. And he was like he was like a detriment to my health. Right. I really My husband had to like protect me from him because I was so vulnerable to him. Yep. You know, because that mother instinct, you want to save them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. So I went through all kinds of things. And there will, there are going to be people who criticize me because it took me so long, you know, to people who don't understand, like I didn't understand. Yeah.
1: That's right, but you know that's why you tell your story, so that hopefully, and that's why we do the podcast, so that mm-hmm. somebody listening will not wait that long and will, you know, confront the signs and take action on the signs that they see. Because, um, especially, you know, we mothers, we know this. Mm-hmm. We we can see what goes on, and you know, sometimes it's not easy to confront. And so, the fact that it took you a little bit longer. Well, fine. You're willing to admit that, and hopefully, people hearing your story and people reading your book will go, "Yeah, I don't have to wait that long. I could. I think there's something going on, and I need to check on it." Mm-hmm. So, when will your book? When will your book be out? It'll be out shortly, right? Yes. I mean,
0: I'll get the I'll get the book, the proof copy next Wednesday, and okay. I hopefully I can approve it, and as when I approve it. I can um get it live on Amazon.
1: And then oh, my- so it'll be on Amazon. And just for yeah. the listeners again, okay. It's called Just the Way He Walked, A Mother's Story of Hope and Healing. Yes. By Kathleen Poole. Pooler. Pooler, sorry. Kathleen Pooler. I know. It's right on my screen. Kathleen mm-hmm. Pooler, P-O-O-L-E-R. Right. Kathleen, if you had one kind of final parting message to our listeners, um, especially mothers, fathers, loved ones of people going through either drug or alcohol addiction, what would that be? Reach out to get support
0: to learn as much as you can about the situation. Continue to love your child through it all and never, ever give up
1: hope. Awesome. I love it. Kathleen, be sure and let me know when the book is out and I will mention it on the podcast. And once again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. I would just like to take this opportunity to wish everyone a fabulous new year in 2020. We are here to help if we can please, if you have loved ones, get them into treatment. If you need help, you can reach out to us or you can reach out to Narcanon on but there is help available and there is hope. And we just wish for you that 2020 is a sober year and a happy year for everyone listening. All of our best wishes. We'll talk to you next year.
0: You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ohi. For more information on Narconon Ohi, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcononojai.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.